Life Audio. Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to counter anxiety and fear, big and small. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience soul-deep emotional and spiritual freedom, and we want to inspire you to share that freedom with others. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn about one of our upcoming events, how to book one of our speakers for your next event, or simply how to connect with us. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Jennifer Slattery. And imagine you're in a job interview and your potential boss, he sits down, he says, okay, we've got this job. You're going to face opposition. People are going to hate you. It's going to be really challenging. Would you accept the job? Would you feel overwhelmed? Would you feel insecure? But what if, I also want to ask, what if he told you all that, but he also said, this is going to be the most fulfilling, amazing assignment you can ever embrace. And my question is, which side which part of that conversation would you most hold tight to? And if you've been reading scripture, if you know a lot about Jesus and what he came to do, then you might remember that he told us we have an amazing job assignment, a life-changing, culture-changing, history-making job assignment. But he also told us it would be really, really challenging. When we're facing opposition, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. It's easy to feel alone. It's easy to begin to think, especially if the opposition goes on for a long period of time or is exceptionally intense, we might feel like we don't have what it takes to persevere, that it's going to be more than we can bear, more than we can handle. But that implies that we have to do it alone. And we know that we belong to an all-powerful, ever-present, faithful God 
who gives us strength when we need it. And today I brought on one of my favorite Bible teachers who really knows what it means to stay connected to her source of strength, her source of perseverance, and that's Kathy Howard. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Kathy has a master's of Christian education and a certificate in women's ministry from the Canadian Baptist Theological Seminary. Kathy is the author of more than a dozen books. I've got a few. Thank you. They're awesome. <laughs> Including five Bible studies, the meaty deep-rooted devotional series, and heirloom. She also serves on the Lifeway Women's Ministry training team. Kathy and her husband live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area near family. They have three married children, six grandchildren. I just got to say here, if you want to see adorableness, follow her on Instagram because she always posts the sweetest, sweetest pictures and things. And she has one, this is interesting, one accidental dog. So maybe she'll tell us about that in a minute. And Kathy provides free discipleship resources and blogs regularly at kathyhoward.org. We'll put all her information in our show notes so you can grab those free resources, get to know her books and find out about her adorable grandkids. So your accidental dog, I want to know. <laughs> so the dog we have right now, he's a 14 year old rescue. Okay. And yeah, he originally was our son's dog. And when our son went off to college, we of course kept him, couldn't take the dog to the dorm. And then a year later, when he moved off campus into a rent house and said he wanted to take Remy with him, my husband said, No, Remy's our dog now. <laughs> so we kind of inherited him. And the awesome. poor thing, he has a quiet, sudden acquired retina disease as a dog, oh. SARS. And so he practically lost his eyesight overnight. So poor our, baby. Our care of this little puppy is gone up to a new level. I, I imagine. Poor, poor little thing. It's not like you can explain to them what's going on. They just, wow. No. Yeah. Well, shifting a little, I know just because I've been in ministry myself. So I know as an author, as a Bible teacher, as a women's ministry leader, I imagine you've endured your fair share of opposition. And when that occurs, do you ever draw comfort from Jesus's experience recorded in scripture? Oh, absolutely. You know, in no way will my limited suffering come anywhere close to what Jesus has suffered. But I think what really encourages me about the possibility of facing suffering, and, and I tell you, I mean, mostly it's it's words, right? The suffering I have endured has been mostly words from other people and not physical suffering like Jesus endured. But scripture tells us that when we suffer as believers, and I don't understand it, I can't explain it, but there is something about suffering for the sake of Christ that forges a deeper relationship with Jesus. And, and that is one of the big things that I hang on to. You know, Paul wrote in Philippians 3 that he wanted to experience a fellowship of sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And the only thing I can understand, if you've ever been through something really difficult with another person, like it was a shared experience of suffering or grief, that really creates a bond between the two of you that you can't get any other way. And that's how I understand this idea of that deeper intimacy with Jesus because we share in his sufferings. Anytime we experience opposition because we belong to Jesus, we are sharing in his suffering. Amen. Amen. You know what I also wonder too, I, my church has been doing this seminar. The presenter talked about our natural propensity towards selfishness mm -hmm. and selfishness and self-reliance. It distances us from Christ because we just don't think we need him. But I, so I think when we, there's just something about it's sacrificial when we say God is calling us to this and I'm willing to follow God, even though I'm encountering opposition, I think it 
part of that spiritual intimacy is because it breaks us from those things, pride and selfishness that hinder our dependence on him and therefore hinder that deep connection. Absolutely. That's a good word. Yeah. I don't know if this is true for you, but when I was raising our daughter, there were choices my husband and I felt God calling us to that people didn't always understand. And in their not understanding, they would say things that to me, it felt, I mean, like you said, it was words. It felt like opposition. And yeah. it, then it increased kind of my doubts and my insecurity. And I, I'm reminded of sometimes it's those who are closest to us. Mm -hmm who can oppose us. And then that can feel most challenging. And I'm thinking of Jesus in Nazareth. Are you familiar with that encounter? I am. You know, near the beginning of his ministry, Jesus went back to Nazareth. He got a chance to read the scripture in the synagogue. And in fact, in one of the gospels, he actually, it records, he actually said, he, he read a, a prophecy about the Messiah from Isaiah. And he said, and today this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. So he was making a claim in front of the people that he grew up around, right? That knew him when he was in diapers, maybe. I was, yeah, I was going to say diapers. And then I thought, did they have diapers back then? Oh, well, true, true, true. They had, they had something. They had to have, they had to have something, right? So and that, that really threw them for a loop because I guess they saw it as, as prideful, how audacious that someone who's just like us, who's, who grew up just like us here in this town would claim something like that. And one of the gospels records, they actually tried to push him off a, off a cliff. They actually tried to kill him and God, the father rescued him from that. But we are going to be sometimes rejected by those closest to us. Jesus's family, you know, his mother, his brothers, his sisters, there was a time that the majority of them thought that he was out of his mind. They didn't understand. Again, those, as you said, those who knew him best thought he was crazy. Yeah. And I want to go back to when you said, you know, they saw it as audacious and prideful that they might have sought viewed it that way because I want to speak to those who I speak mostly to women so I hear this from women where if they're called to be a speaker or a writer kind of the same thing like you just want to be in front of people will be mm -hmm. the assumption or leaders women leaders you just want to be bossy you're a control freak and now we have to be careful that we're not right leading in pride but we also, if we know our heart is right with Christ and we're following in his, as he's leading, learn to turn, close our ears to those voices, I think, that can really hold us back and make us almost apologetic for our gifts. Right. And I, th I think we have how we respond to that. I've, I've been reading in my quiet time this past week in First Peter, and you no, know, he, he, I just read today, don't. In other words, don't take revenge. Don't respond to evil with evil. Jesus said the very same thing. And he also says a couple of times in First Peter, and, and he was speaking specifically about the world, people who don't know Jesus, but it would apply to those who do know Jesus too, who are being combative, is that we respond with gentleness and respect and live in a way that those who oppose us see our good works and end up glorifying God instead. We've just got to respond with, with gentleness, with love. And I think for those who claim to be Jesus followers and who are criticizing us as a leader or whatever, I think we just need to serve them. And I, it may take time, but eventually, if we just continue to show humility, 
love them, um, serve them, I think they will realize that their judgment was not quite on target. I'm someone who is still growing in how I react, right? Like sometimes I have gut reactions or I respond in ways I wish I hadn't. So what would you say to people who say, I want to do that. I want to respond in love and gentleness, but I get defensive when I'm in these situations. So what could we do? Yeah, that's, it, it takes constant. And, and man, here's the thing, because God shows me this all the time. It's those, it's those gut reactions that really show what's in our heart and minds, right? Um, <laughs> I had something that happened a couple of weeks ago that showed me <laughs> that I still had a bunch of junk that God needed to to work out of me. I don't know if we have time for me to share that oh, story. Please. It it was not a church context, but it was something that showed me my character. And Wayne and I had gone with friends. So I don't know if, if you or your listeners are baseball fans, but my husband and I watch baseball. We're huge Houston Astro fans, but we live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So we went to one of the recent games. It was for the American League Championship between the Astros and the Rangers. And of course, we're in the minority in our Astro shirt in Ranger Stadium, right? And there was a gentleman sitting to my right, a rabid Rangers fan who, when one of the Astro players got up and it appeared that he had gotten hit in the head by a pitch, what the man responded, like it was quite ugly. Like he was excited that, that the Astros guy had been hit in the head and he wanted the pitcher to hit him again. So before I even knew what I was doing, I lashed out at him and told him he was being mean and he didn't need to act that way. And it was, it was not what I should have done. And then later, I, I can't tell you how much I've talked to God about that since then, because that was what was in me, right? That was what came out before I even realized what I was saying. And we do that even in the church atmosphere, right? And and with, with other Christians, we will, before we stop and think about it, that is how we will react. So I, I think that back to your original question, like how do we how do we stop from reacting from our gut is we got to allow God to change our gut first, you know, right. because um, we can self-discipline only goes so far and, right. and we can do that to a certain degree. It's got to be a combination of, of self-discipline and the Holy Spirit continuing to allow the Holy Spirit to shape our character into the Right, like right. So I think what's cool though is when we do have those kinds of instances, when we respond to opposition or um, just anger out there in the world in a way that is not like Jesus, it is a it is a reminder that I need to go back to Jesus. I need to go back to the Holy Spirit, and I I guess I'm actually kind of thankful that God gave me the opportunity that He showed me that. Right. So it's in a way, you know, opposition can be a refining tool yes. where it causes us like we may will react often much differently in high stress situations than we would say, you know, when we're at a picnic with a bunch of friends. I would also encourage for our listeners when you're inviting God, the Holy Spirit to go deep. A lot of times there's a wound there. 
there's an mm. insecurity of a false security, a false identity. And so I would, what I am trying to learn to do is why did I react that way? What right. does God need to deal with in me? Whether it's pride, whether it's hurt, whether it's any of those things. And I'm learning, I'm in a hurry, especially in opposition. Like I want God to fix me, change me now. <laughs> and he doesn't always work on my timetable. And so I, I do take comfort in trying to watch how Jesus responded and when he was in similar situations. He One thing that he continually, I feel like, reminded us of was the fact that we're not alone. Mm. You know, when you, when you opened our talk together and you talked about the fact that that Jesus has given us a huge job. And I, I thought of Matthew 28, which we refer to as the Great Commission. You know, it's his last words to his followers saying, you know, you go throughout the world and you make disciples, teaching them to do everything I've taught you to do. And then he ends that with, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna be with you all the time. I'm gonna be with you. And so so I thought of that when you were talking about it, is yes, the task is huge but the thing is jesus knows we can't do it ourselves we cannot do it on our own and if we try to we're just going to mess it up or we're going to be filled with pride and independence and so we are forced to rely on jesus to carry out his work and and actually and i think this is a mindset that i think would be really good for us to remember is Scripture tells us that when when someone does something to us because we're following Jesus, they're really doing it to him. They're not they're not doing it to us. And I don't know if that helps us not take it so personally and just realizing that that these folks are just they're lost. They need what we have in our relationship with Jesus. And I, and so I think that really reflecting on those folks without Jesus, they have no eternal hope. And I think that impacts so much how they, how they react to us. Right. When my daughter was in high school, there was one student who was living in pretty in darkness in, in numerous ways. And my daughter would feel both targeted and sought out by this person. It was a really odd situation. Like she would do things like blow smoke in her face trying to, you know, get, get my daughter to inhale the smoke. And then she would act like a friend and, and kind of to your point is it was challenging for my daughter, but it, it became easier when she recognized she's being both drawn to the spirit within her, the life within her. And then also right. the life within her was exposing the darkness in this, in this kid. And she was, she was pushing back against that. I love when you, so when you mentioned this what Jesus did. And he went in the synagogue and he read, basically proclaimed, I'm the son of God. I'm the one, the savior coming. There's one little verse that really, I kind of sat on and it was, says he didn't entrust himself to people ah, because right. he knew people. And I, when I thought over that and I kind of rest like entrusted, like he didn't, he didn't rely on ultimately people because he understood. So he had this ability, which is what I want to grow better in. He had the ability to love people fully while knowing them fully. Right. That that idea of, of entrusting or leaning on or relying on them, just to remind ourselves where where do we get our 
identity. You know, we're not looking for approval from them. We're, we're seeking to please our Heavenly Father, and we are not relying on them for, for any of that. I think we can serve them better. We can love them better when we're not trying to get something from them. I realized when, when I was a, a young wife, and when our oldest child was a year old, I, I quit work to stay home for, and be a full-time mom for a time. And that changed the dynamic with my husband. I realized looking back, what I had done is until I quit work, I was, I was getting my sense of fulfillment and purpose from my job. And then when I quit to stay home with my daughter, I was expecting my husband to meet those needs. And of course, he was just a flawed man, he couldn't meet those needs. And it, it wasn't until I realized I have to go to Jesus for all those things. <laughs> I am I am not being fair to my husband by expecting him to do for me what only Jesus can do. And so I, I think that Jesus entrusted himself to the father, right? Not to his disciples, not to his physical family. And I, I think that's the difference. Amen. And that's where his love flowed because he free he was able to freely receive love perfect love and then it flowed from him i want to shift actually for you know we've been talking about maybe opposition as we make choices with our family or choices at our job or you know all the different ways that god calls us to live for him but let's shift some of our listeners might actually be in areas where they're experiencing a little more intense opposition and i'm i'm reminded of paul so Paul was a first century church planner. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. And there's this section in scripture, his second missionary journey. And he follows, so the spirit leads him to Macedonia, to Philippi. And when he's there, we see both the unleashing of light and life, but then we also see a rising up of darkness. Right, right. Because he he faced opposition he kind of stepped on the toes of the idol industry, right? <laughs> and um, so Paul and Silas were thrown into prison and not like prison today. This was pretty severe. I mean, their, right. their legs were in stocks, their arms. I mean, and it would And after been, they were beat, they'd already been beat. Yeah, after so. they had been beaten. And they we're talking about the deepest, darkest dungeon. Right. And at midnight, we're told in Acts 16 at midnight while they're singing hymns, mind you, you know, I would have loved to have been on the fly, a fly on the yes. wall. Because of course there was probably way more than flies on the wall. <laughs> rats and all kinds of oh stuff. My goodness. Oh. But there were other prisoners, right? Right. So Paul and Silas were not ashamed to be worshiping God right there in their circumstances for others to hear and at midnight, it says there's an earthquake and all the shackles fall off, not just Paul and Silas, but all the prisoners, right? And the, and the, the door opens up, but they stay there. In, back in that, in that ancient time, the jailer would have been responsible for those prisoners. And if, if any escaped, he could have very well lost his life. And so Paul, and, Paul stopped him from putting an end to his own life to make things easier and shared Christ with him. And he and his whole family came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And God did that through the suffering of his children, through the suffering of, of Paul and Silas and 
through their, they were so gracious to the jailer. They exhibited love and concern. Like they could have fleed. They could have ran off. And they then, could have. Yeah. They could have. But instead, they stayed and allowed God to work through their suffering. Yeah. And it brought glory to God. It brought life. the whole family to, yeah. into eternal life. Yeah. Right, right. And when I think about them singing praise, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a really hard place, really frightening, really sad. <laughs> and, and I love, I, I went through a period where I was dealing with some really hard things and it just felt overwhelming. But whenever I would turn on praise music and sing, mm -hmm. it was like, I would feel God's peace. And so I wonder, you know, we're talking about when we're in difficult opposition, recognizing we're not alone and then relying on God for strength. I think that's probably what they were doing as well. They're like, we're beat, we're tired. It's dark. Our circumstances is dark. We need light. Right. And so they soaked it in. And I think that brought them comfort and strength and probably clarity. You know, that's when we hear God's voice a lot of times is as we're worshiping, as our heart is open to him. And I love, yeah. you know, you talked about the impact and just, it probably also brought comfort to the other prisoners, right? Whether they knew God or not, there's something about when we bring, when we bring the Holy Spirit into every situation just by being there because he lives. Right. So you have you have to wonder how many uh, how many prisoners in that jail came to saving faith right. in Christ. You know, just because we're not told in Acts sixteen that they did, it doesn't mean that they didn't. I cannot imagine Paul being in that prison and not sharing the gospel right. message with anybody that could that could hear. So right. you were talking about worship, and I think you know Scripture refers to worship as the sacrifice of praise and. Paul and Silas just put themselves in the right position before God, even, even in the physical position they were in spiritually, they placed themselves right into God's presence, right into God's care. And God worked miraculously. Right. One thing I admire about Paul, he had a, a great ability. He had learned the discipline of keeping his focus on heaven. So he had a long-term mm -hmm. focus. I know some of our listeners live across the globe, but for those in the United States, I feel like we've lost that. It, we, we are so temporal, short-sighted. We don't always recognize the beauty that's coming. And I think, you know, I'm reminded, you'd mentioned that you'd never suffered quite what Jesus had. And I, and <laughs> right, right. The praise God. I mean, but I'm reminded of Hebrews 12 too, where mm -hmm. it tells us that when we are suffering unjustly, whatever that looks like to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And this is the part I love the most. And I really, I've spent a lot of time kind of sitting on for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I feel like, yeah just unpack like what all, I don't know if we can ever get to the depths of that, but what all joy was he focusing on? What all right. did that encompass? So I, I think one, it was knowing that he was pleasing the father and that he was bringing glory and honor to the father. As, as you were reading that, one of my, one of my favorite passages is from second Timothy four, which is believed to be Paul's very last letter that he's in prison in Rome for the second time. And he knows that his execution is near. And, you know, that time in that 
Philippian jail was just one of multiple times that Paul faced a physical persecution against him. But he saw his life, he had such an eternal perspective that he was just, he was working every day to carry out God's purposes for him. And it didn't matter what he had to endure. And this is in 2 Timothy 4, he wrote, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. These words make me cry every time, every time I read them. He wrote, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amen. Paul had kept his eyes on Jesus and the eternal inheritance that was waiting for him throughout all this suffering, throughout, throughout all the opposition that he faced. And there at the end of his life, when he was probably in another dungeon, in chains again, he is rejoicing in the fact of what he's going to experience when he gets into the presence of God. And um, I just, that's something I, because just like you said, it is, it is so hard to keep our eyes on eternity and the and the spiritual dimension that is that is a greater reality than the physical one we live in because you know we see we touch we hear we smell we see and that's we kind of just then focus on that right and I, I'd actually like to close with a thought of when you read that and thinking of Paul had he lived with no regrets he he was able to close out his life with no regrets. And I actually, I was speaking with a woman who I've, I've heard about her regrets in her parenting. And I will say there's always grace. So I don't think God ever wants us to beat ourselves up for and rehash our past mistakes. But I do think he's calling us today to say, you have an opportunity to live with no regret. And I love that Paul, he said, I finished the work that God gave me. And I think that's a very beautiful, and I, I would love, that reminds me of like your rooted, your rooted study and just being mm -hmm. really grounded. I would love if you could tell us a little bit about your study. Right. So I actually have a series of devotionals called Deep Rooted and God's just really given me a passion for helping women, women and men too, when, when I have the opportunity to, to, to study and understand the Bible for themselves. And so the, the deep-rooted devotionals helps people just really dig into God's word for themselves because there is there is no way that we can stand firm in opposition unless we are deep deeply rooted into the, the word of God because Amen. all these truths you and I have been talking about today they're found in Scripture right. and we we need to be in it to to know those so that they can encourage us. Yeah. Well, I love your presentation. I, I think you make it really digestible and it's, it's, I love your content. So I encourage our readers to check that out again. If you go to her site, she's got free resources and you can find all of her content on her website and also on Amazon You can, if you prefer to go that way. So Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jennifer. It's been a fun conversation.
Well, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Share it with your friends. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.